0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Kirsty, hello and happy 2023. And happy 2023 to you too. So we're going to do something a little bit different on the Earshot pod this season and it
2: was actually your idea. What are we going to do? At the end of last year, we were brainstorming some things that we could do this year with Earshot and I sort of just threw into the equation that maybe we could do a what the producers are listening to? What, what's one piece of audio that they've come across in their career that they've absolutely fallen in love with? I love hearing about what music musicians are listening to, what books authors are reading. And so this was sort of just, you know, our little version of that. And I think that you always discover like a little hidden gem, something completely unexpected that you've never come across before. That is the voice of Kirsty
1: Melville, award-winning documentary maker, presenter of our sister show, The History Listen, and, I bet you didn't guess this bit, she's a little bit obsessed with baby names. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and welcome to what I'm calling the off-off Broadway season of Earshot, where each member of our documentary team introduce us to a little bit of audio they love. So Kirsty, you've chosen meat factory
2: earworms. Why's that? I came across this piece around the time that it actually, I think, was produced, which I'm pretty sure was 2010, a little before that. And it's just become my go-to when anyone asks me to come in and, you know, give a talk at a university or to talk to a group of program makers or producers, aspiring producers. I must have listened to this about, I kid you not, probably 50 or 60 times, every single time. I feel something. I'm I'm still not immune to it. And I've tried to work out what it is about it that I love so much. And I just think it's this magic combination of the producer's Irish accent, the the musicality of the delivery of that accent, and the way it was edited, the intercutting of script and music and sound. And I really love the pieces of music um, that are in it. They become... This story is about earworms, about you know songs that get stuck in your head that you can't get rid of and I, there's a couple of songs in this that I just still <laughs> constantly have them as earworms because of this story. And so for someone like me who produces often stories about very deep, hard social justice issues or emotional trauma, this is not probably what you'd expect me to pick but I just, I just love it. And how then has this piece of audio influenced your work? I think it opened my eyes to just much more creative editing and trying things that are really juxtaposed, music that shouldn't work, edits that shouldn't work and just seeing if they do.
1: Here's Meat Factory Earworms, produced by Ronan Kelly and written by Richard Benn. And just a warning, there are some graphic descriptions of what goes on in an abattoir.
0: It's like riding a bike. You never quite forget how to keep an edge in your knife. It's a trick I learned from working in the meat factories, on the killing line, the slaughterhouse. It was rough work, tough work. remember the first time I walked into a meat factory. I was about six years of age. My dad had a load of cattle for killing me. It was a complete assault on the senses. The smell of flesh and fat and blood and, the, and that almost like sweet smell. Sweet smell. Sweet smell. Sweet smell. Of a backbone being sawed in half. I remember I ran out and nearly got sick. I didn't though, I wiped my eyes and went back in again. It was grand then. Years later, I was working on one, and from then on, it was a roll call of factories around the country Lions' and Goodmans' in Longford AIBB, Keepak Clunny, Master Meets Bandon, Keepak at League. Funny like when I think of those places and all the blood and the early mornings and I have fallen for another, she can make her own way home. And the first thing that hits me is a couple of songs, and this one in particular was at league. I have fallen for another, she can make her own way home. And even if she asks me now and well, I let her go. I used to love her. I used to love her once, long, long time ago. It's gone. All my loving is gone. Whoa, whoa, it's gone. All my lovin' is gone To by, kneel down there and watch her The glory of her Earworms, they're called are songs that you just can't get out of your head It's gone All my lovin' is gone it gone Whoa, whoa, it's gone It's gone All my lovin' is gone It's gone All my loving is, my loving is it's gone. gone Whoa, whoa, whoa it's, it's gone All my loving is gone, loving is gone. Well for that year I was in that league, there were three or four songs that I just kept on singing. I used to love her. I used to love her once, long, long time ago. Jesus, it nearly drove me mad. At half five, walking up the boil of Road to get a lift at Shankill Cross, there was another lad from El who used to work on the factory and we used to get a lift off him in an Opal Green Cadet. And he used to give a lift to two other lads. And it'd be, like, really quiet in the morning and frosty and clean and cold. And all there would be there would be the night sky and there wouldn't be a sound. And next thing you'd hear the thud, 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 thud and the throbbing of an open cadet engine barrelling along from Elfin. And the song, I used to love her, blaring out the window. And then they'd pull up with a skid at the cross. Oh, you Richie. The door would open and three lads all beaming out, smiling, hung over heads on some of them and big red faces, smoke everywhere. Would you like a major, Richie? No, thanks, lads, I don't smoke. And i get into the car and I'd ask them, but I'd prefer now if you didn't smoke, you know, for me health. And they found this hilarious. I'd prefer now if you wouldn't smoke, he says. Well, that's a good one. I'd prefer now if you wouldn't smoke. Put on that tape there. I said, ah, oh, lads, give it a rest for once, will you? Just for one morning. No, on it'll go. I have fallen for another, she can make her own way home. And even if she asked me now, I'd let her go alone. Well, I used to see her up the chapel when she went to Sunday Mass. The whole way to that league, which was 30 miles. That's a long way, an open cadet. Listening to the same song over and over again. I'm going back to that league to keep to the place that I used to work. The faces have changed and the people are different. But the sights and the sounds and the smells are all the same. The lorry loads of cattle are still going in at one end. Pins and pins of Charlie, Cementals, Aberdeen Angus, Black Whites, Red Whites, you name it, they're all in there. There's a sense of tension in the air. They say they don't know the differ, but I reckon they do. like a procession the cattle are hoisted up onto an automated cattle line and they're hoisted up by their back legs from the killing box where they just fall fell out of the box there and they put a hook into the back leg and swing it up as hanging up by the back leg and then into the bloodbath now I did most of the jobs in the killing line And this is the one job that I didn't particularly like was in the bloodbath because the animal was still sort of half alive or, well, the brain was dead, but the body was still had muscle memory and was still twitching and kicking all over the place. So you had a big, like, what, 800-kilogram bullock hanging by its back leg and it's swinging around the place. And it's called bloodbath, literally, because all the blood is cut out of the bullock and it flows down into the bloodbath. And what you have to do is you have to stick the knife, well, what you do is you hold onto the front leg with one hand, and you literally sharpen up your knife, you need a really keen edge here, and you just drive up the knife up into the throat area, just above the head, because it's hanging upside down, then you stick it right up towards the heart and give it a twitch at the top, where you cut the jugular and all the blood rushes out and down at the bloodbath, which is why it's called the blood bloodbath. And uh, then you cut off the, the two front legs at the, the knee area, the hock area. You're doing like 600 cattle a day. It was savage, from seven in the morning to seven in the evening. Some evenings, and um, you know, some days you just you'd have to switch off the brain and uh, just go to somewhere else. I remember there was a window. There used to be r- rows of windows at the very top of the wall, just behind the, the killing line, and uh, you'd stare out there. Is it a car? This song, for some reason, just started coming into my head. and I used to go into like an automatic state of mind, and for somewhere in me, this song would come out. And then the line moves on every 30 seconds to the next station, and then it goes on to what they call the flanking station, which was my main job. I worked there the most for a year. And uh, that was tough. Yeah, or we standing on a, like a steel platform, and there was two pedals at the bottom of the platform, it was like a little cage and the bullet could be standing or swinging in front of you hanging by its back legs, its belly facing you and its head down to the ground. And with one tap of your toe, you'd shoot up to the top six foot in the air, up and down, every 30 seconds because the bullet could be sitting in front of you, hanging in front of you, and uh, it would have all its hide on it. And what I did was flanking.
1: Eyes,
0: like fire. And you had to open up the skin for the height for to pull the hide off. I'd have to have my knife sharp again. Zip up to the top and stick my knife into the top where the two legs would be spread at the back and the belly is facing. You see, you're cutting right down to where the testicles were really and ripping right down. You'd shoot down to the bottom uh, with the platform, and your knife would just run through it like butter. And you'd cut right down to the chest area and then back up again. You'd grab hold of the left hand side where the skin would be hanging out, and then you'd open it all out and you'd skin it out. away the skin from the flesh that's what they called flanking and you'd rip it all the way down to the bottom till the stomach was bare and all you'd get this yellow flesh and fat and red meat and the steam would be rising off it and then up again to the top and then hold out with, the, with your right hand you'd grab the skin and then with your left hand you'd skim all the way down again a high wind in the tree. It was very skillful and I was quite proud of the fact you had to use both hands but your nails would be cut and pushed back Bright eyes, how can you close and fail? How can the light that burns so brightly suddenly burn so pale? Bright eyes. Brutal. Starry, starry night. Paint your palette blue and grey And uh, it was just, it was obviously a way of Look coping with all the brutality day, of the place and with eyes that the banality no of the work and the deadness and the monotony soul. of the work. Shadows on the hills It was kind of like a safe place to go or a way of coping Sketch with what was happening around and me. Daffodil. And things weren't going too hot in my life at the time either. Catch the breeze and the winter chills In colours on the snowy linen land edge is the secret. It's very hard to get the edge. you think now that it would turn me off meat working in a place like that, but it never did. I suppose I grew up with it. I mean, you were working so hard as well, like, that. you know, you had to eat beef and food. You needed to be strong. And I grew very strong that year, but I got very yellow from lack of sunlight. In fact, you could always know the lads that worked in that league, they all looked yellow. My hands became huge and I developed very hard muscles. I had nicks in hands and cuts all over my hands. In fact, I still have the scars. The worst is when I stabbed myself in the knee. I'll never forget it. A really dirty bullet came in. His belly was all crusted with muck and shite from the winter and, I don't know, I should never have been let in. But anyway, I was trying to rip through the belly to, to flank him. And I was tugging and pulling at, it and I was making no headway to it all and I was driving the knife into it, trying to pull the skin away. Then suddenly I hit this bruise or something, and the knife just skinned through it, and I went right through, stabbed myself in the knee. Jeez, I'll never forget the pain of it. I just, I just collapsed. I mean, that phrase, the blood drained from my face. I felt it all going from my face. I remember looking down, looking at the knee, and nearly fainting. And I uh, anyway, I reached down, pulled out the knife, called the foreman over, drove myself to the hospital. Be in Rescott only a few mile away about 16 beep, mile away beep, got fixed up beep, and was back at work the next beep. day how you suffered for your sanity and how you tried to set them free beep, they beep, would not listen beep, they did not beep, beep, know how there was that beep. other song as well that I loved that song sounds so naff now but Starry Starry Night Vincent Starry Starry Night Starry Starry Night Paint your palette blue and grey Flaming flowers that brightly blaze Look out on a summer's day Swirling clouds in violet haze I used to sing that with all my heart and soul Beep, Colors changing beep. 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 beep beep, beep As the line would relentlessly move on beep. beep, 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 beep Next bullet will come along Beep, beep another big Soothed fleshy height to be skinned but that song now I understand just stayed in my head all the time what you tried to say to me to and I figure I suppose I, d- I, I knew just about this painter Vincent Van Gogh and that um, free. but the world didn't understand and I suppose I felt that I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and I felt I wasn't being understood perhaps they'll listen So now whenever the alarm goes off in the morning I can tell you one thing, it's no problem All I have to do is just either think of those songs or those earworms And I'm bouncing out of it It's no effort to go
1: to work Meat Factory Earworms, was written by Richard Bann and produced by Ronan Kelly and was originally, originally broadcast on RTE Island. I'm Iyuki Okiranta and thanks for joining me for this little Meet the Makers season of Earshot. I'll catch you next time.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.